630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Loxley under center. He takes a snap, plows ahead. Kai Loxley's got a pair, and the Elks have another touchdown. You don't see Trevor Harris take off like that very often, but he did on that last play. Now he's in the pocket where he's more comfortable and throwing, and is that intercepted? Yes. 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 What a great interception, and the Elks have the football back. The defense does it again with a steal. From the 11-yard line, Cornelius throws to the end zone. Taylor up, Edmonton, touchdown Elks. Kenny Lawler has it in the end zone, and the Elks have tied this game at 31. Clock has hit zero, but there's still one more play to go. Taylor Cornelius will go under center. He'll take the snap, and that's it. Taylor Cornelius, in his first start of the year, gets the Elks the win down by 19. They come back to win it 32-31 over the Montreal Alouette. Well, it looked like it was going to be a disaster for the Elks. Instead, it turns into a dramatic Comeback win. The Elks down 24-6 with about five minutes left in the first half. Down 31-12 halfway through the third quarter. But they win 32-31 over the Montreal Alouettes to bump their record up to 2-4, and four, which is, yes, uh, last in the West. It would be first in the East, depending on how Toronto does against Saskatchewan tomorrow in the touchdown Atlantic game. That was uh, a surprising one. I was at the Oilers' Billy Moore's Cup at the downtown community arena, so I was checking the score quite regularly on my phone and getting some texts from a couple Elks fans who uh, were increasingly discouraged as the game went on. And then I'm in the car driving home, and uh, I hear the second of the pass interference calls committed against Kenny Lawler. The Elks got the uh, touchdown that we had there, the Kyloxki second quarterback sneak just as I was parking, and I get in to watch about the last eight or nine minutes, and they went from there to uh, pull it out 32-31, and of course also keeping a key eye on that, a double-E alum, and our Inside the Game analyst here on 630 Jet, it is Blake Dermott checking in. Blake, happy Friday. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just waiting to to watch the uh, Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hopefully beat the hell out of each other so that Winnipeg comes into Edmonton uh, (laughs) as bruised up as the Elks have been over the last couple of weeks. Well, that's a storyline, and I, you know, I know that the, it's a long season in the CFL, and there are still some people who say, well, it doesn't really start until after Labor Day. I don't totally agree with that because I wouldn't want to be 0-9 or whatever going into Labor Day. Um, <laughs> but there is a lot of football left, and now the Western teams are going to start play, playing each other more often. Winnipeg is 5-0. and They've played one Western game. So they've, you know, full credit, you got to win the games, but they beat up on the East. You know, Calgary has two wins against Edmonton. Their other two wins were against Eastern teams. Saskatchewan has only played one Western game. So these teams are going to start playing each other. So I'm not going to count the Elks out to try to rally for, uh, you know, I'll say fourth and maybe be that crossover team. But uh, I mean, the, the East division has combined for two wins. Toronto has one and Montreal has one, Blake. And if you look at how Edmonton beat Montreal and, and Hamilton, uh, you can see some serious flaws in those Eastern teams, I think. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they, they've, you know, what is it? I think they're uh, 
one and fourteen, I think, uh, the uh, Eastern teams versus the Western teams. So it's it's been. Uh, I mean, uh, we've seen this in the past where the Eastern Division has not been as strong as uh, the uh, Western Division over the course of the season. Um, but typically, that starts to level off as it gets past the Labor Days. So they start to have more success against Western teams. But this is an, an incredible anomaly, like one win out of 14 games so far. And that's... Uh, that is really, uh, uh, you know, makes it difficult for a team like, like the Elks who are in the position that they are in, and with two wins and four losses, and and uh, uh, you know they they've played uh, more Western teams than anybody else, uh, and uh, sorry, um, they've played uh, Western three Western teams, two Eastern teams, and uh, unlike Winnipeg, who's only played one, or Calgary, or you know they've 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 had to. They've had to play the good Western teams, and now they got Winnipeg coming up on, on Friday, and uh, again another challenging game. That's why I say, you know, with with this uh, the last two weeks, uh, Winnipeg playing uh, you know undefeated BC, uh, that was a game where you know it was supposed to be you know an opportunity. Then some people thought that BC was going to win, but but Winnipeg showed that they're you know championship caliber, winning the last two Grey Cups, and and uh, when when the games were uh, as good as they needed to be, they played well, and uh, uh, they. They've had some letdowns in games. Uh, they've had to come from behind. They've had uh, big leads, and, and they've almost lost. And and uh, they haven't all been really strong games, but that game last week against BC was a really strong game. And, of course, this week against Calgary, another team that is undefeated, we'll see how they, uh, you know, if they can raise their level. But when you when you go to multiple games like that, there's this potential to have a little bit of a letdown. And, uh uh, you, know, uh, you know, let's see if they can get through this game unscathed with injuries. Uh, the Elks have really struggled with injuries, and, and uh, some would think that the two wins that they have are a testament to the, the coaching and the, and the uh, integrity of the players in the locker room because they've, you know, rarely do you go into a game when with the Elks when the Elks don't have at least five changes. Yeah. Where where did it start last night? W- w- was there a moment where you thought the comeback is on? Was it a gradual thing? Did Montreal lose the game as much as Edmonton won it? What do you see there? Well, you know, I, I, I was sitting there watching the game as a you know as a fan of football, and and I was I kept saying I, I was frustrated because if you look statistically, this game should not have been where it was. I mean, I, I, I didn't think the Elks had played that poorly, but found themselves down nine, 19 points, as you mentioned. You know, when you when you think about it, they, they missed a field goal. They missed a convert. They they went for two points, missed the two points. So now all of a sudden, you're, you're six points back, and then you throw a ball that hits the receiver right in the hands and deflects into, uh, into a, uh, a defender. And uh, he goes all the way down to the one-yard line and then goes a seven point. So, so when you think about those, those, those issues, I didn't think they were playing poorly, but they just made enough mistakes to find themselves in a, in a big hole. And, uh, and I, could, I could believe that in the locker room they were saying, guys, we're in this game. We've just made some mistakes. And, and then, of course, they, uh, they get a, the big interception by Konar n- near the end of the, uh, the half, and they get three points. And, and I think that's where it started, where is they, yeah, they were behind, and, and then they come out, and, and they, uh, I think they, they uh, get a, a, a um, they don't get the touchdown that they thought they were going to get, and then all of a sudden they find that they're giving up another touchdown. But this was a team that really, truly believed that they were in this game without uh, certain circumstances happening and they just kept believing in themselves and they kept doing things that made the game close and you're right uh, Montreal made some mistakes 198 uh, uh, 
yards and penalties, uh, which I find kind of uh, odd that, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Danny Machocha fired Kahari Jones because he thought there was a discipline issue, and then they come out with the worst discipline issue that they've had all year with respect to penalties. And uh, when you, when I always, I always use this number of, 40 yards in penalties equates to a scoring opportunity. Well, when you've got almost 200 yards in penalties, there's five scoring opportunities. So, yeah, uh, Montreal made enough mistakes that allowed the Elks to get back in, but I don't think the Elks should have been in the position that they were in in the first place. Blake Dermott joining us then on Inside Sports, breaking down the uh, Elks' dramatic 32-31 victory over the Alouettes last night. Kenny Lawler got a ton of money in free agency, finished last night's game with seven receptions for 92 yards. He was targeted 13 times, and, and the three pass interference calls. Like I, I loved watching Lawler last year, and, and as an Elk, I just look at him, Blake, and I'm, I'm curious what you think. To me, he's, he's the full package because he uh, I think he has decent speed, but... I just look at him through the first six games in Elk, and I'm thinking, like, this guy is is tough. A contested ball, no problem. He's going up to rip it away. Yeah, and, and you know, when you have a receiver that is like that, it sort of elevates the, the play of other receivers. And I thought Darrell Walker had a, a, a really nice game as well. You know, he, he made some tough catches. They, they lost him because of injuries, I think, in the end of the third quarter, roughly. And then a guy like Kai Loxley, who we saw him with his arm hanging. He just refused to come out until it got to a point where he, he couldn't do it anymore. I mean, these are guys that that see one guy with the, with the play that he has, and it brings the level of play up from for everybody else. And, and you know, Manny Arsenal only really had one reception, but he's been a guy. He's been the leading receiver so far this year until this game. Um, you know, the the play of these veteran guys has uh, has really been elevated. And when when you think of the the receiving core that the Elks have, I would put that receiving core up against any other receiving core in the league. These are some quality players, and they seem to be competing against each other to make great plays. Now, uh, and, you know, the, the difference is is that they haven't had a, a uh, marquee quarterback, but but with, you know, the, the problem with Trey Ford going out last week and then Arbuckle being gone and Taylor Cornelius coming in, and I, and I thought he just – I don't think he had – one of those all-star type games, but he had a really nice game. He he did not uh, make mistakes with the ball. He made mistake. He made plays with his legs. He uh, he was able to escape sacks. He did things that, that he did that you wished he did, and he did last year sometimes. But he always seemed to have that one play that would at the key point of the game that would you know be enough for them to lose. But you know the one thing about and I I, I look at some of the greatest you know quarterbacks in this league when you look at they're they're uh, you know a Warren Moon. He sat for a year, a year and a half behind a, a Tom Wilkinson. And when you've got Matt Dunnigan uh, comes in, he sat for a year behind a Warren Moon. And you had Damon Allen, who came in and sat for a year behind a Matt Dunnigan. You know t- uh, Taylor Cornelius came in last last year and sat for like three games behind Trevor Harris, and then was thrown into the mix. And so for him to sit for the first five games. Um, I don't think that was a bad thing. It showed him, you know, what mistakes were being made, the guys were making, what what successes guys had. And he didn't have that luxury last year. And, and I think it was evident in, in his play last night. 
Yeah, 19 for 13, 230 yards, so 61.3 completion percentage. He throws a touchdown, did have the interception, which, as you mentioned, bounced off uh, his receiver's hands and was was grabbed by the Alouettes. So I don't know if you could fault him. And he made that great play in the fourth quarter where he three separate times, it looked like he was going to get sacked. <laughs> he kept spinning away and then got the pass away to, to Mike Jones. So... If you're, and it's, it's, I'm interested in how you're going to answer this because you, you've been a player and, uh, you know, you've taken on a, a role as a coach and a mentor uh, in your post playing career. I, I know not in the CFL, but with junior teams and younger athletes. What, what do you think the focus is now going to be this week? Because it still wasn't a, a perfect victory. Um, you know, most coaches I talk to, they, they don't want to throw everything that needs to be fixed at the players all at once. What's an area or two that you think is going to be concentrated on in the upcoming week of practice? Well, I think I think that they, you know, the, the, they have the luxury of having just a, a, a train wreck game two games ago. And uh, this was a team coming off a win in Hamilton, a big win in Hamilton, and they played better over the course from the first game against the BC, they, they, we, you know, the the organization and fans saw progress, and then they win a game, and uh, and then they come out against Calgary and just, and I think part of that becomes the psyche. You know, sometimes you when you have, when, you know, you have to learn how to win, and you have to you have to learn, you know, you you learn that by by mistakes and losses, and I thought that they they learned how to win against Hamilton, but I think sometimes. They got a little bit ahead of themselves, and then of course in that game against Calgary, let's be honest, you know, and you, I think they lost five starters in that game. Uh, they guys got injured, and and that really impacted, it really impacted how the how they played and the success that they had. So the biggest thing that I was it would as a coach, I'd be I'd be looking at, you know, the, the response that they had, but I'd look at the mistakes that they made, not even so much in this last game, but the mistakes that they made in the previous game. And where where it started to go off the rails, and and try to emphasize to guys the guys in the in the in the locker room that, you know, this is these are the mistakes you made. We don't need to do those kinds of things. We need to just you know uh, settle, and and uh, and get our heads right if something goes wrong. Because you know it's going to go wrong against a team like Winnipeg. You're going to have mistakes and you're going to have issues within the game. It's how you manage that and how you how you respond from that. And remember last year, I think uh, twice against uh, the uh, the Bombers. The Elks were in both games, and uh, and they were in a situation where they were leading the game last time they played the Bombers, and found a way to lose. So again, you don't have to go that far back to see the, where the mistakes are, but you don't necessarily have to go to the the last game that they played. All right, uh, Blake. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective. That was a, a fun outcome after <laughs> some tough moments in that game for sure. Hey. Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, we'll hear you on the radio again on Friday, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for checking in. All right, Reed. Thanks a lot. That is Blake Dermott, our inside the game analyst for our Edmonton Elks broadcast here on 630 Ched. One week from tonight, they're back at it at home. Can they finally win a home game? It's going to be a 530 countdown to kickoff, and the game will be at 7. Two undefeated teams playing tonight. It is 3 nothing. Winnipeg leading Calgary there about five minutes into the first quarter in that one. Tomorrow at noon, Sask against Toronto. That's touchdown Atlantic, 3 o'clock Mountain. Ottawa is uh, at Hamilton. So somebody will win. Well, I guess it could be a tie. I'm going to call it right now. I'll predict a tie between Ottawa and Hamilton. They'll both they'll both remain undefeated. I'll say it'll be a tie, like, I don't know, 26-26. You can uh, reach out tonight at 780-496-0063. Kellen Kennedy is watching for your texts. 
for uh, anthems of summer that we'll play coming. We'll, we'll play coming back from commercial. Kellen, what did we have out of the seven thirty news there? Uh, Double Eagle Dave wanted to hear um, "Highway Star" by Deep Purple, and so that's where we came out of the commercial. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try to fit some more in as we move along. Back after the break. Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Uh, now, I believe this is from the film Maximum Overdrive, starring correct. Emilio Estevez. Was that not correct, Kellen? That is correct. There's a big, nasty truck in that movie that's running over wow. people. Not good. And directed by Stephen King. He directed and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Based on, I don't know, I think this was based on a, was it a short story or a novel? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it's based on the novel, uh, the stor- short story trucks. Cool. <laughs> and, and you didn't tell me ahead of time that that was going to be the song. Who made who by uh, ACDC? Who requested that as their summer anthem? Shout out to Kent in Bonneville. Kent in Bonneville. Wow. Well, nothing like a little ACDC on a Friday. We could have just played the entire song underneath. <laughs> It's a good uh, track. It's a great track. That's incredible. I'm just reading about Maximum Overdrive right now. Came out on July 25th, 1986. Mm -hmm. It was nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Director for Stephen King and Worst Actor for Estevez, but it lost to Prince in both categories for his movie, under the cherry moon which i think followed purple rain well how did we get going like this i didn't even know purple rain had a a sequel geez i I don't know if it was officially the sequel or it was just another movie that followed his other movie okay uh, gotcha uh, and i'm reading now stephen king later disowned the film describing it as a moron movie wow wow (laughs) Apparently apparently it's been stephen king reviewing this show often as well Calgary leading Winnipeg 7-3 in the first quarter in uh, Friday Night Football. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. The Blue Jays are in action, and they're doing well against the Royals, leading at 7-1 in the bottom of the sixth. You can write in to Kellen, 780-496-0063. We'll, I, I guess we got three or more, four more slots before the end of the show. We could slip one in. Filling up fast. Get them in. Get them in. Your uh, your anthem for summer that we'll try to play coming back from break. So what was the first one we had? Uh, Deep Purple, Highway Star. Okay, and then we had Who Made Who, Who, Made Who by ACD. We ACDC, haven't had yeah. a song specifically about summer. Not yet. Yeah, like I when I hear a summer song, I always think of Magic by the Cars because the first, or I think it's the first four words of the song are summer. It doesn't go summer, 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 I think. <laughs> Rick Ocasek, very deep lyrics from Rick Ocasek. Ocasek back in the yeah, day. that was the car. It's a great band. Ocasek, of course, has uh, passed away. He was very talented. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked about the uh, Oilers, Billy Moore's Cup last night. We talked about Goudreau. We've talked about the Elks winning. We've uh, talked about the film Maximum Overdrive. Check it out. It truly is a Friday night on Inside Sports. Rob Brown will join the festivities when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.